season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. the jkr podcast my name is jay shriggle and i'm the host we get episode number four of four this weekend like i said usually we do three episodes this weekend we're doing four doing four guys on the indiana bulls i uh, had some great content so far with Braden, with jay's with rj expect the same today with bradley we're finishing up week number one of three of our indiana bulls series as i'm bringing on a bunch of guys from the indiana bulls black team 2024 couple guys from the 2025 uh, so like i said just great content today we've got 2024 kentucky baseball commit we got bradley farrell on the show from the region up there in northwest indiana great pitcher just got done with area codes um so he's got team indiana this fall um great pitcher um he's got a lot of stuff great stuff going for him so i'm really excited to see where his career goes whether that's pro ball here in that 2024 draft or he ends up going to kentucky and just balls out um today we discuss his recruiting process we dig into a little bit about his pitch grips uh playing for the indiana bulls and how he got connected with them also talk a little bit about high school ball playing up there in the region because there's a bunch of great schools up there and just much more dinged his entire career so far so hope you guys enjoy it and let's dig into it and welcome back to the jkr podcast today we have the number one player in indiana for the 2024 class from laporte indiana indiana bulls black player and kentucky baseball commit we got bradley farrell on the show bradley super pumped to get you on the show how are you doing today i'm doing good how about you jk I'm I'm doing good. So Jay, you say JK. My my name's Jace. Um, just yeah. I guess I didn't really say that. Um, but okay. no, my name's Jace. Um, you're actually not the first guy. Ahmad Duff actually called me that same thing. Okay. Uh, when he when he came on, I was like, okay, well, I guess the JK. I get I kind of I kind of get where you guys are coming from. But okay. uh, just dig just dig it into it. So one question I do like to ask everybody as soon as they come on the podcast is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Bradley Farrell? Oh, well, I'd say I am, I don't know how to put this, but like, it, it, I could put it into one sentence. There's like a lot of adjectives I could use about myself. Like I'm passionate about mostly everything I do. I, you know, I like, I like to take pride in what I do and um, I'm dedicated to everything I do, whether it's school, whether it's baseball. I like, I just like to be honed in and have a good sight and good, just good control of what I'm doing. Yeah. So you say you're passionate about a lot of things, everything that you do. So obviously you play baseball, you go to school, you said you're starting tomorrow, but what are some other things you like to do as well? Oh, I love spending time with my family, you know, cause in the summer it's supposed to be time off from school, but, and I don't have a lot of time with my family cause we're always traveling. We're always going playing baseball down South, but um, I really like spending time with my family. We you know we just got a new puppy the other day. So that's really cool. It's kind of brought us all together. Um, I really like hanging out with my friends too. My friends really give me, uh, they give me a good relaxing feeling and a step away from baseball. Cause you know, I mean, I have friends in the baseball world, but like the friends away from baseball, it's really nice too, because I can kind of just, you know, go goof off and have fun with my friends. So really good, really good for me. Yeah. So you said you're not hanging out too much time in the summertime with your family. So when you are traveling down to Atlanta, Florida, or even when you're going to area code here, 
I'm in San Diego. Like, does your family travel with you or do they kind of stay in Laporte and you kind of go on by your, uh, by yourself? I have my dad come with me most tournaments, you know, my mom works a lot, so she doesn't really get to experience this. And my brother works a lot too. So they're always here at home. And then I have extended family that'll come and watch me during high school and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents, cause we're all pretty localized. So they'll be able to come watch me, you know, and I like, I like them watching me play baseball. You know, I like seeing them be happy and watching me play, like makes me real, feel really good. But you know, like having to travel with just my dad, you know, it just, it gives me another reason. It keeps me motivated, you know, to put on for my family and make sure I'm doing my best for them, even though they're not there. Of course. So you are, you are committed to Kentucky, um, committed in December of last year. So let's dig into, into that a little bit, how it all got started and how you ended up at Kentucky. So when did that recruiting process start for you? And when did you start getting noticed by uh, some of the Div- division one power five schools? Uh, so it all started uh, the winter of my freshman year. I went down to a uh, perfect game showcase down over winter break. Cause the first time I did it was the winter of my eighth grade year. It was kind of just like, I was asking my dad, you know, we wanted to go do something in the December. We had a little break from basketball. So I'm like, let's go play some baseball down in Florida. So we get down there and it was all fun. And, you know, I did probably about average for a 14 year old. And then I come back down in December and I worked my tail off all throughout uh, on season, off season. I made sure I was staying, staying right, doing my work. And I went down in December, that same event, and I had huge jumps. I went from 73 to 84. I was breaking off four pitches, just, you know, trying to get guys out. And I had probably one of the better outings and Gregory Gerard, I think his name was, he was one of the big PG scouting directors before going to the Cubs. He was at the field I was pitching at somehow. It was just a coincidence, I guess. But he ended up throwing me on Twitter, and it just blew up. I had I was starting to get Big Ten looks, and then I was on the phone with Kentucky, the first school that called me. And then um, there was a few SEC schools that started looking at me to ACC, and then I, I was on the phone with a Big East school after that, and it just – it kept carrying on, you know, I, I talked to a big 10 here, there throughout high school, my freshman year and throughout the summer, I keep up with the, uh, some big East schools and of course, Kentucky, but it really didn't like blow up, blow up until this last year. And December, I went and did the same thing for the third time because I'm like, you know what? I'm confident, you know, I've been throwing bullpens. I've been up to 90, 91. So I was like, I'm going to go see what happens, you know, go have fun, go throw hard. And it just, it just, it was stupid. I called 10 schools in a matter of five hours. You know, we're staying in some island about an hour from the fields in Fort Myers. And I'm out here on the phone now. I'm like by the beach on the phone with like 10 different schools in talking SEC, ACC, Pac-12. I mean, all your power five I was talking to. And it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah. So dig into that day a little bit, obviously talking to 10 schools in five hours. I mean, I'm sure that means you're hanging up the phone with one coach calling another coach. So take us through that day. Like, was it a lot of the same questions that they were asking you? Uh, like how, how all did each school differ from there? And just how was, how, what was that five hours like? It was, it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Like, uh, it was like, it felt like a dream come true because as a kid, you know, you're like, you get one phone call at the school and you're like, this is absolutely insane. And then the fact that you're picking it up, putting it back down and picking it right back up. It was, it was so cool. It was such a cool experience and I'm so glad I went through it. But, uh, but I, so I finished pitching and I get a text from coach Hibbler, who was one of our coaches on the balls. 
And we're, we're in the middle of like the game. Like I just finished throwing and I'm coming back. I was about to start doing my recovery work. And he texts me and he goes, Hey, can you call this coach from an SEC school in about 15 minutes? I'm like, coach, I just finished pitching. I got to finish this game. Like I'm still here, you know, I'm not just going to leave. So I had to wait a little bit. And then I called that team on the way home. And then I ended up talking to a big East school on the way home again. And then I get through the door and then it's like, you know, ACC, SEC, ACC, SEC, like all in that order. It's just back and forth, back and forth. I was like, wow. And then like by the time, by the end of it, it's like 1030. I'm tired. You know, I haven't done anything. I just started eating at 1030. We got dinner out to eat somewhere. And it was, it wasn't draining because I still had adrenaline every time I didn't pick up the phone because I wasn't, I, I like hadn't figured out like which school like was a total fit. Like, because I knew I wanted to go to Kentucky really bad, but like when you get like some big schools calling you, it's kind of like, whoa. Yeah. So it was, it was very cool experience. And I was, I was so fortunate for that. that. Yeah. So for a lot of those schools um, in that, the 10 out of the 10 phone calls in five hours, were a lot of those schools reaching out for the first time or had you already talked to some of those coaches that you talked to that day? Um, I talked to a few of the schools. Uh, I had gone to a few camps too, to some schools, but, um, no, a lot of them were first timers. Most of them were, I like, I, some had seen me play, but I hadn't talked to, but a lot of them were first timers. Like I talked to. So when you were having those initial conversations with coaches, what are those conversations usually like? Like, what are some questions they're asking you? Uh, what types of, what types of ways are they pitching their school? And is it one coach on the phone call or is it going to be multiple talking to you at the same time? Well. Um, some schools were like, really some, I don't want to say like they interrogated you, but like, they wanted to get to know you, like who you are, what family you come from, what, like, what are your grades? You know, what, like, what do you see in our program? Like, what do you like about our program when they're reaching out? Because they want to know if you're truly interested about the school and they want to get a baseline on you. That's how the first phone call usually goes. Well, some of the schools already knew who I was. They are they um uh, they already knew what I was about. So all they were talking about is like we need to get you down here to a camp. You know, we'd love to see you throw in person. We'd love to get you out here on campus. And they were just they were really cool. There was a few schools in particular where the coaches were like they were like really laid back. They were making jokes. I think I called one of the schools. One of the guys was in the gym and he was cracking jokes. And now he needs to lose weight. So. I mean, they're, they're all pretty laid back and they were pretty cool because they had already been through kind of the interrogation process, like just without them calling me, they'd already gone through my background and stuff like that. But like, that's how the phone, like first phone call usually goes when they try to reach out early is they're like, like, what are you about? What are your grades? Where do you come from? You know, what do you see? Like, what do you like about us? Like they're, they're, it's not like they don't like go one by one, like interrogation or like one question to the next, but they'll make comments and they'll be laid back. But that's kind of how it feels a little bit. Yeah. So you, you did mention that Kentucky was that first school that talked to you here on that. Was it the first or that second time you went down to Florida? It was the first time they were one of two schools that reached out the night before, uh, night after I pitched. Okay. So, talk, so digging into that a little bit. So how long was it that you built that relationship before you actually received an offer from Kentucky? Oh, it was a whole year. Like they, they're uh, so uh, like, they're all about building relationships. Like that's one uh, big factor I uh, used in my commitment. It was, uh, it was all about relationships and building that, you know, they took their time. They did what they, like, they needed to see some growth. They needed to see some, some work put in because, you know, I come down in 84. So like, all right, this kid has potential. So they got on me early 
and I built a relationship with the pitching coach, Dan Rodell. He's arguably like, I've talked to him so much. I could probably call him with anything I, if I needed help in life. He's like, he's almost my extended family. You could say. Yeah. Like that, that to me was a big factor in why I chose Kentucky. It's like, it's beautiful campus. They got brand new facilities, but like the relationship factor, I could call any of those coaches up if I needed help with anything and they would help. me. And that's, that's, that's how I roll. Like I'm all about family. I'm all about relationships and I want to go to a school that I know they're going to take care of me. Yeah. So as you were going through that process, obviously relationships were a big part of what your decision-making process was going to be, but what were some other key things that you were looking for in your school that you were going to go to? Oh, shoot. I mean, you can name, I mean, I mean, academics were another big thing. They're, they're a very good academic school. They have probably arguably the highest GPA for an SEC baseball team. I think they did have the highest GPA in the SEC for baseball team. So they're going to help me with my academics. You know, they had a good advisor and make sure I stay on track because grades are obviously first. And then, I mean, from there, they have a beautiful campus. I mean, I'm treated like royalty down there because they don't have professional sports teams either. I mean, it's not like it's not like it's I mean, it has to be like that. But I mean, it's kind of one of the perks that comes with it. And then um, it's the SEC. I mean, who doesn't want to play in the SEC growing up? You know what I mean? Yeah, best conference in baseball right there. Yeah. But um, so besides Kentucky, when you did commit there in, in the th- December of 2021, what were some of those other schools that you were highly considering? Maybe the schools that finished second and third um, behind Kentucky? Well, um, I hadn't gotten to get too deep in on them because I, I was just coming on the scene and they made me an offer, a very generous offer right away because they knew what had happened. I talked to them about it. But I was uh, I was beginning to look at Mississippi State a little bit. Uh, Florida was just about to reach out. Virginia was about to reach out. And then I considered looking at Notre Dame, too, a little bit because it is one of the closer schools. And they had just they had Coach Link, who was very good and coach Wallace and they, they, you know, they do a good job over there and they had a very successful year. And I mean, it's a close school. So that was one of the ones I was considering. And then coach Lamonis at Mississippi state, he was a coach at IU. I had watched him uh, at IU and Schwab was there and stuff like that. So that was real cool for me to see him on TV with coach Cheeseboro. And I talked to them a little bit and then Virginia, I got coach Dickinson and TV throw, I think once, and I had, they actually, I was supposed to go to a camp there one time and they made me out a handwritten letter because I had gotten sick and they like signed it all and sent it to me. So they were really cool too. And then Xavier was another big one because of their coaching staff too. I built a good relationship with them and they were a power five school. They weren't a big conference school, but they're one of the schools that played one of the tougher schedules in I think the whole country. And they have, their facilities were very, very good for a small private school. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Coach Lamonis there. So I know Lamonis switched from IU to Mississippi State. I want to say, was it three years ago? It, was, it wasn't too long ago. So did no. Lamonis ever recruit you at IU? Or when you were talking to IU, was always Mercer? It was always Mercer. Uh, now the pitching coach changed and, like, the coaching stuff there. I talked to Coach Howard before he became a Bulls guy. And I talked to – I forget who their pitching coach was at the time – but I talked to them and then I ended up talking to Simmons and I was supposed to talk to Glant, but they never reached back out. Okay. So you did say that you've been to a couple of those schools on visits. So what were some schools that you did go visit and how did they compare to your visit at Kentucky? Um, I went to Xavier, 
Xavier was very cool. It was very nice. It was, I mean, but it's private compared to a public school. Um, I'll tell you one, Auburn. Auburn was, that school was very beautiful. I mean, being down south, the town's kind of, the college kind of is surrounded by a town. It was very cool. Uh, the facilities weren't near as nice as Kentucky still, but they, they were, they were very welcoming. You know, they have that, that Southern pride about hospitality down there is very cool. And then Tennessee was another one that, the thing about Tennessee is when you step into Knoxville, it just, you have a, it's a weird feeling. It's like electricity, you know, everywhere. So that was very cool, but nothing compared to Kentucky. Cause as soon as I stepped on foot, like at Kentucky's campus, it felt like home. So when you can it, kind of take us through that Kentucky visit. So like, what were some things they were showing you and what, what made it, that made it just be like, okay, no, this is the place I want to go. Well, when we first got there, we got there early. We got there before some of the coaches because we woke up early. We got some breakfast. We know we go every time I went on a camp or whatever to a school, there was always egg bites in Starbucks, get a cold brew and egg bites. It was just the way to go every morning. And then, so after that, I mean, we got there before some of the coaches did. So we had to wait a little bit and it was freezing because it was in October, I think. And then, I mean, we went through, we talked to all the coaches, you know, shook hands, you know, we had good conversations. They had met my father before he was the one that took me down here or down there, excuse me. And, um, I mean, they were really welcoming, you know, they took me through everything. Like I was one of their own and I got, got to throw in front of the coach a little bit and it was, it was just a great, it was a great process. You know, they pulled me aside after my first camp there and they said, you know, we'd like to get a little bit serious with you after seeing some growth from summer, just a little bit, a little bit of off season we had from like, july august area to october they really liked what they saw and then i went on another one after i was uh committed and you know they were it was even better you know i got to throw down there in february and they were they were helping me out with rap soto and stuff i mean while they had their hands on me while they could you know they were they were giving me tips and stuff to work on and they were treating me like i was one of their players there it was very yeah so how long did you know kentucky was the place you wanted to go before you actually committed um in december of last year it's funny you say that because, you know, growing up in an Indiana household, you think everybody's IU, Purdue, and Notre Dame. Well, my family was never really one of the three. You know, we'd kind of grown up as Kentucky fans a little bit. So it, I don't know if that was kind of, I don't know, divine intervention or whatever, but it was very cool that that happened. But, I mean, as soon as I reached out, you know, I took it and ran with it. Like, you know, I'm talking to an SEC program. I want to go over here because, you know, that's how every kid is at about 14, 15. Yeah. And then, but – um. I mean, out throughout the season, you know, they were the most consistent. They were like at all my games. I was always, you know, having conversations with the pitching coach. I mean, they made it feel like it was such an easy decision. So being up there in Laporte, I know you mentioned those three, IU, Purdue, Notre Dame. I use down south a little bit more. That's where I go to school. But there's Purdue and Notre Dame that are up there up north. So how which one's closer to you? Because, I mean, I've always heard of Laporte. I just really don't know where it's at. So it's kind of by Balbo. A little bit. I don't know if you know where Valparaiso is yeah. a little bit. So we're about, I'd say, 20 minutes mm, east-ish a little bit, maybe a little north too. But like Notre Dame's like 25 minutes from oh, where, yeah. where I am out here in Laporte. Yeah, so I can just – I can take a trip over there any day I want to. And then Purdue's about 45 to an hour. And then Indiana's a little bit of a hike. But whenever we go down south, we usually drive through Bloomington just to see it. Cause it's so beautiful down there, but 
Yeah, they know. Like, we never really went to like football games or basketball games, really, because we didn't really like the schools. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I live about an hour from Notre Dame, and obviously Notre Dame's being a heat like being that huge football school. I mean, I still never, I still never went to a game. IU was always the place I kind of wanted to go to, but yeah. Um, so do you have any relationships with any of your future teammates going to Kentucky? So this like class of 23, 24, um, even guys who are maybe there now. So, um, I mean, obviously I talked a little bit, like I have some of the players that follow me on like Twitter and Instagram because I talked to them at camps and stuff, but some 23s, I, I talked to Evan Hart a lot. He's a 23 committed from Kentucky. He's really cool. I built a relationship with him and then all the 24 kids, we have a group chat and like Snapchat and stuff. So we'll just all talk and whatever. And uh, the first camp I ever went to, two commits were there. Leighton Harris was the first one. He was the very first Kentucky 24 commit. And he was there and I got to talk to him. And then the second one was um, Zach, I forget his last name. Oh, shoot. It's going to bug me now. But he was there too. And a Moss thing, Zach Moss. I got it. And uh, he was really cool too. And we were like in a group together. And so we got to kind of hit it off. And it was kind of cool because we all committed there after that. So it was very cool. And then England, Brian, and Sam Bradley are two more that I talked to quite religiously in the group chat. And then we just got a new one. It's another Zach. I, forget, I don't know how to say his last name. It's like Spurry or something like that. He's they're, they're Most of them are in state kids besides me, England, and Sam. So we hit it off really well. You know, we're talking about playing together in the summer in one big group. You know, we're trying to do that, see if we could work something out. But, I mean, they're easy to talk to, and, you know, that's that's the good thing about them. Like, they're, like, they're really cool, and I think they like they want to bond because, you know, coaches will bring up certain kids' names and phone calls and stuff like that, and they'll talk about them. Yeah. So, like, like hmm, I want to talk to this kid because, you know, coach was talking about him and try to build a relationship and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Yeah. So when you kind of, I mean, you committed somewhat early. I mean, I know there's guys who committed before you, but you Mm -hmm. did commit, I mean, before your sophomore season began. So was, if there's ever guys that are kind of like Kentucky's kind of in their realm of schools, they might go to, do you ever kind of like hint like, all right, Kentucky's a place for you to go. Like, do you kind of help them throughout that? Or do you kind of stay out of that? Because obviously your Bulls teammates, I mean, like you, you had like five guys commit last week and you have some more coming up. Like any of those guys you try to convince to go to Kentucky? Well, I mean, yeah, you got to. I mean, you get some guys like, you know, you get Jace Lee, you know, who's just on fire right now. I can't miss a barrel. And we get RJ, who is just – he's a plus defender, you know. And then, So, I was like, yeah. I mean, I was trying to steer some guys that way. I still am. But, you know, but I'm not going to force you to go there and be like, hey, be my roommate. Hey, come with me. No, I mean, it's, it's your choice. But, like, am I going to steer you that way? Yeah, because we want good talent, obviously. But, no, I mean, it's it's cool. You know, I'll, I'll get them lined up because the cool thing about Kentucky is we help them with their recruiting. You know, we see something that catches our eye, you know, they'll take a peek and they'll look at them for us because they're real cool about that. That's kind of how I got uh, recruited was by Leighton. He was the first commit there. And, you know, he was like, he was telling the coaches, like, you need to get on this kid. You know, he's got something we need. And sure, is not, uh, sure enough, I ended up at Kentucky. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool yeah. So since you've committed there, how is your relationship with that Kentucky coaching staff? How has that evolved? Because obviously you had a good relationship already, but how has it evolved since you've committed? Well, so I used to see like, I'll just use this as an example. I used to see Coach Roselle in public and like, because that like at games and stuff like that and East Cobb or whatever. And I go up to my approach and be like, hey, how are you? Well, this last time after I've committed, I saw him one time in Indy 
I kind of snuck up behind him and I was messing with him. Like he has the ability, you know, to mess around and he's really cool even when he's in work mode. So like I have the ability to talk to him a little bit, mess with him a little bit, kind of like he is family. So, I mean, that's, that's huge for me. And, you know, and I, I really, it's, it's comforting knowing that I'm going to go to a place where they're going to take care of me. And like this relationship, the relationships with like coach Minge, you know, coach Minge is all about building relationships and family and stuff too. And he's, he's real religious too, which is another thing I like. They're a real religious program. So like, it's just, if I could put it into words, I would, but like, it means so much to me what they're doing. Yeah. So have you gotten a chance to play up against any future teammates? Like maybe at the WWBA or other events that you're uh, been playing in? I have not been, uh, had a chance to play against anybody. I've seen them play, but uh, I haven't got the chance to play against anybody now. Okay. So moving a little bit into your travel ball experience. So obviously you play for the Bulls Black now. I mean, according to RJ, you guys are switching to the Bulls Scout, I believe, next summer. But, yeah. Uh, let's dig into a little bit to how you got connected with them, maybe who you played with before, and just how you got connected with the Bulls. So, like, growing up, I played on, like, I played on a local team for the longest time, and then I played on a team out of Michigan. And we'd always ran into the Bulls, and they'd always kick our butts or whatever because, you know, they're – they're always so polished and good for young age. And so I ended up on some team out of, I don't know, it's just some guy who picks up kids called the artillery picks up kids. You know, we were starting this team early, you know, I was on one of his earlier teams and he's, he's settled in. He's uh, AJ Volamari is his name. He I mean, he's, he's doing a good job. He's getting kids recruited out there. You know, there's some teammates I still talk to on that team. I've built relationships with, but he picked me up. He gave me a home for the summer and we went and played big tournaments. The Bulls saw me at one of the events down south I think it was the NPI I pitched and they were like they're asking my dad and they're giving him why is he on the bulls you know why is he not here why is he not with us you know so that's kind of how we started building the relationship with them as we started talking to them through other tournaments and I built some relationships with friends through that and then uh, they uh Max Clark this is really cool Max Clark reached out during their WWBA because the Bulls, you know, we're all Indiana kids, so we're not really deep in pitching. They reach out. He reaches out to my dad on Twitter and he said, Hey, you know, do you want to, do you want to throw with us during the WWBA? Because, you know, we need an extra arm. I'm like, I want to go play with Max Clark. Yeah. I want to go, you know, I want to go play with Wiggins. I want to go play with Santana, that team, you know? So hey, I get an uh, opportunity to go play with them, but I'm like, well, if I play with you guys, can I play with the younger team? And they're like, sure. So he hooked me up with the opportunity to play with the older Bulls, which they, they were really good to me. You know, they, I mean, it was cool playing up. It was cool playing with those guys. They gave me, I mean, I learned a lot, you know, just in a maturity way, you know, those guys, how they handle themselves, you know, being on that big stage, you know, dealing with failure. They gave me an opportunity to throw against some of the best kids in the 23 class. And I came back down to 24, started building relationships with those kids and they were really good to me too. You know I mean? I show up to one tournament with these guys, you know, their head coach on the 15 U team has given me like shorts. He gave me a helmet. Now I'm getting jerseys. So I'm like, like it would, they, they treated me like I'd been on the team for four years. You know, I just showed up for a tournament. So it was so, so, so cool. And then this next year, you know, coach Farrell and coach Hibbler, and then we got a new coach, coach class. He had stepped away from baseball for a while after college because it was just, it was just a lot for him, I guess. And, um, you know, he was really good for us to give him a younger side of the game. They have coach Hibbler, which he's like kind of in the middle. 
then you got Coach Farrell, who's kind of like got a, a little bit deeper look at the game because he's a pro guy. But they were just – they were so good. They, they did a good job. I mean, they did such a good job scheduling. They kept us together well. I mean, they, they did a good job, a quality job. And so what point in the timeline is this? So, like, what like what year? Like, how, how long ago? So, I started last year, last summer. At the end of the summer, I started with the Bulls. And then this next summer is what the one I was talking about, Coach Glass, Hibbler, and Farrell. Okay. So, you, now you've played for the Bulls, so, like, what, a year and a half, you'd say? You're in a tournament, something like that. But, okay. yeah, you're. Okay. So, what's, like, the biggest thing you've seen? Because, obviously, the Bulls are a great program. So, what's the biggest thing you've seen with just being an insider that's kind of led to their success overall over these past so many years? I want to say chemistry more than anything. The relationships we have. I mean, you get some of these tribal teams. They're picking kids all the way up from Cali to, like, New York. So, it's like, you can't build chemistry like that. So, I mean, just seeing kids around and being able to build a relationship with friends, like physical relationships, it was, I mean, I think it helped us. Our camaraderie helped us win a lot of games against like our Kings Nationals and our Philly Scout teams, East Cobb, like like just that, that piece we have. And then, I mean, we have deep talent for our class. I mean, come on. You look at our school. I mean, there are so many people, like even me being number one in the state. I mean, you could, there's arguably some kids that can be number one in the state. I mean, you look at, Brayton Thomas, Brayton Thomas, you know, power arm, big physical left. You look at Jace Lee Summer, he uh, he just went stupid. He just could not miss a barrel. I mean, you're looking at some of this talent. Like, we are deep. Like, we are a very talented group, and I was very fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah. So, I talked to Jace, I think it was, I think, last Thursday or something like that. He said, you guys are the first Bulls team to have over 10 commits to Power 5 schools. And... um I mean, there's still a couple guys in your class who are, are still going to some power fives. Obviously, Caden McCoy probably will at some point. Um, talking to Braden, Braden said Isaac Van, Vanderwoo is another guy that will probably go somewhere. Um, am, I, am I missing anybody off that Bulls team who will probably go somewhere? Um, I mean, there will be some smaller schools, I think, for a few other kids. But, like, you look at A.J. Beggs. A.J. Beggs will probably be at a power five school. You're looking at him. He's big physical catcher. Um trying to think who else would be on there oh clue chris clue he was one he got hurt so he had done something to his back hitting he's uh like kind of a utility guy like he's real fast he's got great hands he's high iq guy i mean he's just he's really really good clue is a he's very talented he's one of the guys that uh people miss and then another one that nobody really talks about i mean he's one of my favorite guys with you chase wagner chase wagner is one of those guys he's like, you look at him, and he is sneaky athletic. He, he'll get you. He's got, like, five pitches he works with. I mean, he's crafty. He's good. And then one of my – like, another guy I like is Nick Heitman. Nick, he's kind of – he's a sneaky guy, too. I mean, he'll he'll run out and catch about two or three barrels in a game. And, you know, he doesn't get a lot of recognition. And he's up to 89 on the mound with a, a hard hammer. So, I think those three guys are kind of your guys you guys are forgetting about because I know you guys talk about Caden because – he's big lefty, you know, he's throwing one hit shutouts and stuff like that. But those guys are, I'm sure will end up at power fives at one point in their career. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, you guys are looking at what 13, 14 guys on your one travel ball team. That's not it. That's all based out of kids from Indiana. I mean, that's crazy to think. I know I saw shooter hunt. I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times, like on other podcasts, mm-hmm. but I mean, I saw something, a tweet that saying shooter hunt said Indiana's class of 2024 is like 
a top five state in that class. Like it's, it's crazy to think. And the majority of you guys are all on that same team besides, besides like Hogan, Jack Brown, uh, JT, like those guys playing for the Canes. But I mean, it's crazy to, it's crazy to think you guys are all on that same team, but uh, you talked about chemistry there for a little bit. So when you did play for that first tournament with the 24 bulls, who were some of those guys that you kind of talked to first and started building those initial relationships? RJ Cromarty was a big one. You know, I talked to him a little bit. I mean, we clicked right away. I, I kind of known him just a little bit, but um, but I think I think the guy that really helped me mesh and brought me in and like really introduced me to everybody was uh, Coach French, Scott French. He's not with the Bulls anymore, but like I think we can all arguably agree like he was one of the better coaches that we'd had throughout our career, and I had him for a tournament. But man, he did such a good job, you know, keep me involved and you know just not push me aside and use me as an arm. You know, he kept me involved. He gave me a few at bats. That was pretty fun. But you know, he he really meshed me with his group. You know, it was a good group. You know, and then I started talking to more people. I think Heitman was another one I started talking to quite a bit. But that older group too. That older group was real fun. Uh, Andrew Wiggins and I hit it off really well. And then um, Matt Santana. I even I uh, I'll occasionally hang out with Matt Santana too around here because he only. He lives about 30, 40 minutes away, and we'll go get lunch or something. We'll go mess around, do something. But those guys are, like, the first few guys I really clicked with. But Coach Scott French did a good job of bringing me in, the, in that 15-year group and really making me feel like home. Yeah. So when I'm looking at your perfect game account, it says that you play, you've played for the FTB Phillies as well. So did you play for a tournament for them too, or does – Oh, when I was down in Florida, they had one of their guys up in the uh, – up in the organization had reached out and gave me an opportunity to play for him. So I had originally committed to play with them a little bit during the spring. And then at the end of high school season, I had came down with like a little bit of elbow inflammation from my uh, forearms because my forearms aren't very big. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not like a physical kid. Like, yeah, I'm strong. I'm strong enough to throw the ball hard, but I'm not physical. So my little boy forearms got the best of me for a little bit, had to hit the rice bucket, you know, so. I didn't end up playing in that first tournament. And then that last tournament, I was supposed to play with the Phillies. Uh, I just got a little burnt out. I went in my break before area code instead of going and throwing down there. And I threw our last game. So I would have had to throw late in the tournament. And there's no guarantees of throwing. Plus travel, you know. Yeah, that high school season did go long, too. Now that I think of it, we went all the way to semi-state. Just pulled up short, 90 feet away from going to state. You know, that was – I mean, that was a heartbreaker we lost. But, I mean – it happens. Yeah. So talking about your high school season, so dig into your sophomore season, you guys go into semi-state, and then just the outlook on your junior season, like some guys you're bringing back and what the expectations are going into the season. My sophomore season was probably, I, I want to say that my favorite season of baseball because that senior class I was so close with, you know, uh, me going, so I transferred schools from my eighth grade to freshman year just schooling and like you know just and it wasn't really I think a baseball thing because I know I can play baseball anywhere but that school factor and the relationships factor was just better out at this school than it was the other one I originally planned to go to LaPorte High School but then I ended up transferring to a smaller school which I still get a little bit for a little bit of because they're smaller I mean thinking one eight or two I think we're two-way this year two-way to four A's different a little bit in the sports aspect but it doesn't really bother me, but this senior group, you know, I got close with during that COVID year. And then my freshman year, we were really close too. And they, you know, they, they made high school baseball fun. You know, they were a fun group. And I mean, it was, we were 
good. I think we had our first 21 season since about four or five years ago. We won our conference tournament for the first time. Uh, we won our fifth regional ever, our first regional, I think, in this decade, I think. I think. I, don't count me on that one. But it was, it was huge. You know, it was a great year for us in satellite baseball. Um, you know, I mean, our young guys were stepping up, too. We had a bunch of sophomores on our varsity squad, you know. Got a guy like Brain Grass. Brain Grass is a name you're going to keep in mind. He's this, he's this farm boy from out, out in Union Mills. Chuck's ball about from a low three quarters, about 86, 87. So he's like, it's no press. You think he's done one prep baseball thing, but he's one of those kids that you're going to hear in a year or two in this 24 class that's really going to blow up and become uh, part of this big, talented group. But, um, you know, you have a guy like – I like our – we have some sophomores that play a multi-sport or that are just pretty talented guys out there, you know. But my sophomore season was, like, one of my favorite seasons. You know, I batted, like, 480, you know, being in the three-hole. Having, like, that was so much fun hitting in high school. I was all-conference. I was all-county. I won county player of the year. I was honorable mention for All-State, which, I mean, it's coach's pool, you know. I thought I should have got up there, but who cares what I think's right? Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, it was just, it was a phenomenal year. We were so close to winning that semi-state game and going to state, but uh, we lost to a heartbreaker. You know, we had a 4-4 tie in the bottom of the seventh. I had a leadoff triple to left field, and I didn't end up scoring. So, I mean, it happens, but you don't want it to happen, I guess. Yeah. So you did mention that you are going to area codes. You said you're leaving tomorrow. So let's dig in a little bit to how you got invited to area code and what you're looking forward to most as you head to area code. Yeah. So with area code, um, they initially have a tryout where most kids have to come show up and try out to be uh, selected on the region team. Well, we had a tournament going on that, that same weekend where they had the area code tryout. Like there was the day before we left or the day we left to go down there. I think it was the Hoover. And so I was fortunate enough to have Coach Farrell reach out to our regional guy for area code and have uh, him come watch us, me and Brayden, that is, come watch us play. And uh, we were fortunate enough to get invited. Uh, it was real easy, real cool process. I got to talk to the guy a little bit about some stuff on, like, some spin rate stuff and what they look for and just uh, some little things, you know, have a little conversation, side conversation, you know, just at the, at the field. Um, but they have, he made the process so easy, Coach Farrell did. And um, I was very fortunate to get an opportunity to go do this and uh, start this process early. So well, so you said you are leaving tomorrow. You said you're coming back on Sunday, so you're missing a couple days of school. So how long are you there? And then do you know how many days you're planning on pitching? Or is this kind of just like something you'll find out when you, when you go there? So – um, we're leaving tomorrow. I'm going to miss two days of school, Thursday and Friday. Uh, they will have a set schedule. I'm sure when we get all our stuff ready together, cause they're pretty organized about this event. We have itinerary and everything. So I'd have to let you know on that, but, um, pitching wise, you know, I prepared to throw Thursday the day after I get there. You know, I threw a bullpen yesterday, a pretty light one to make sure I feel okay. But, um, I mean, that's that I think they're going to make the schedule out there. I'm um, depending how guys feel between jet lag because we're flying pretty far between jet lag and how guys are feeling and stuff. I'm sure they'll make it on the fly a little bit, but they're very organized about what they do. We got a good itinerary, you know, and uh, they, they keep us, you know, pretty well put together. 
So besides Braden, I know Jack Brown will obviously be there from Indiana as well. So do you know any of your other area code teammates that are going to be there? Uh, Michael McNatt of Nebraska. I played with him on uh, the artillery team. I know him a little bit. He's very cool. Very, very good kid. He's a very solid player. He's up to 90 on the bump, and he's a very, very good defender. And then I heard J.D. Dix's name a little bit, too. He's another Bama commit in the 24 class. I think he's out of Wisconsin. He's I've seen him play in person. He's pretty solid, too. Yeah. So digging into just a little bit more of your actual on-the-field play. Um, so you're a pitcher mostly, and I assume that's where you're going to Kentucky for. Perfect game says yes. also play position as well. So is that true, or are you kind of just a PO now? I, I mean, you put that out there. Obviously, I'm an athlete. You know, you don't just pitch. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to college to be a pitcher. Okay. So digging into your pitching repertoire, what are some of the pitches that you throw and I know you're, I know you're a pretty good fastball. You have a pretty fast fastball. So what are the speeds of those different pitches you have? So I got four seam. I mean, it, it's, it's got light movement to it because of my arm slot. It's got a little bit of run to it. It'll be anywhere from 89 to 93 in that range. Mostly sits 90 to 91. And then I got a hammer. I got a breaking ball, pretty standard breaking ball. You know, I don't do too much with it. No spike or anything. Just on the scenes, grip it hard, throw it hard. That'll be anywhere from like 72 to, I've seen it up to 77 once. And then change up. I do, I do a little unconventional change. I wish I had the ball with me. But what I do is, I, so I take a pitch fork because my hands were never big enough to throw a good change up when I was younger. And it always worked for me because I can kill spin. So I take my change up and I put my middle finger and my thumb and it cuts the ball in half wherever I go. And then I just manipulate the spin with my pinky. So if I go down, it'll catch and it'll tumble. And if I take my pinky up, it'll take it and it'll just slowly fade down. So like I can make, I can manipulate it to run. I can manipulate it to drop. It's kind of cool. It's one of the things I learned through uh, Tom House. He's a really good pitching coach. I know some guys have heard of him. They, they remember him as catching Hank Aaron's big home run, the record breaking home run. He was that guy. But he's really, really good pitching coach. I'd been with him since I, he was, uh, I was nine. He taught me how to throw all my pitches. Besides my uh, other two, I throw a sinker. It's kind of unconventional, too, because a lot of guys like to go across the seams. And with the middle finger, why well, hold it kind of like the opposite as you would a curveball? I just I flip the seams so on this finger, and I pronate a little bit. So when I finish, it's coming off this first finger, and it's catching. It's running really hard. That'll be about – it can get up to 90. I've had it up to 90 before. It's about 88 to 89, though. It's hard bore. Probably about – I've had it 12 to 14 on rep, so horizontal. And I'm starting to develop a slider that I learned from Tread Athletics that I pinch the seams on, kind of hold like a football, and it'll catch this finger. And you should say you're shooting a gun how you're supposed to finish. So you shoot the gun, and that that I really hadn't had speed on. It's just starting. I'm starting to develop to like counter my sinker yeah. a little bit. So when you are developing a new pitch, so when you're developing that slider, how do you go about it? So do you kind of just go about it, just throwing it, and when you're playing catch? Or how, how exactly do you go about developing a new pitch? So I do I do a lot of feel, just like light catch. And I got I got to get my stuff because I like to cues in my mind with certain pitches. Like my curveball, I know I have to grip it hard and I have to throw it harder than my fastball for it to get more spin. And then my changeup, I know I have to finish it really and not try to manipulate the finish and create my own whip because I, my arm's pretty whippy with the 93 mile hour fastball. So I have to keep that whip with that changeup or else the spin won't be right and it'll just sit. So with the slider, I just got to find my cues for it, how I want to hold it. And I mean, it's just, it's all about feel, you know, I got to figure out a way to manipulate the ball to move and like, it might be unconventional, but it's going to work for me. So it's, it's a big thing is playing catch with it. 
and figuring out cues. And then the shape of it too is another big one. The shape will, I mean, I mean, it, it makes the pitch the pitch. You know, I want the shape to be similar to my sinker just the other way. I want it to be hard. I need a sweeper. You know, if I was a big vertical guy, like I threw a pretty straight four seam, I'd want my slider to have more depth to it and it to be down. But I work pretty left to right, even when my breaking ball is more of a one seven instead of a 12 six. So, you know, I want that thing to, to move to the right really hard. So I've been working on making sure I have a, a sharp slider. Yeah. So once you do develop this slider, like, are you, or do you feel like you're pretty much set on your pitches or do you think you might want to add one more maybe in the future? I feel pretty good. You know, I might even change from a guy to where I don't throw a four seam and I'm just straight sinker because I have my slider too. And I might, I mean, maybe I'd be throwing hard enough. I might need to lose the curveball and go slider instead because just for just the way it looks for depth perception of the eyes and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I like counting a big repertoire pitches because, you know, you're throwing something at a guy and he keeps fouling off. You break off something you haven't broke off all game. Then, you know, it kind of freezes them. I like doing that. But it's a lot to keep up with all these. So, I mean, it was it, – it's very cool to have a bunch of pitches. But then eventually I think I'll break off from the curveball and go to the slider. Yeah. So over these next two years, as you're developing your different pitches, like are you talking to the Kentucky pitching coach a lot? I know you mentioned Tread Athletics, which is pretty huge nowadays. So when you are developing your different pitches, like who are you talking to most about it? Oh, mostly um, my dad. I mean, I talked to my coach a little bit. You know, we talk about developing some new pitches or trying to like, like just change up something a little bit, trying to get more movement one way or another. But I mean, it's mostly just, it's, I mean, it's a lot of from me because, you know, I'll see something to whereas I need to throw my sinker a lot to guys, you know, it's constantly run, run, run. So they're sitting on hard stuff. Well, it wouldn't bother me if I could have a pitch to where I could go to start down the middle of the plate and it break off the plate and be a chase pitch, like 0-2-1-2 or 0-0. Because, I mean, I like using my sinker a lot. So it's just having something to go the other way and something to break off to, I like it for a different perspective, like hit or a different perspective for me too. I mean, it's, it helps, you know, and that's just, that's coming from me talking to me, just being, you know, baseball junkie where I'm just, I don't know. I'll get on Tread Athletics TikTok and I'll just scroll, 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 scroll and watch that. And then I'll go on their website and look at stuff too. But just for me being, being a, just a kid that loves baseball, that's, I've just started to develop that a little bit, made sure it's stress-free and it works. And it's, I, the last bullpen I threw with it, I had that thing working really well. So I'm excited to use it out of the area code and see what other people think of it. And hopefully it's not flat. That's the biggest thing. I hope it's not flat and sitting duck. Yeah. So if you were a scout watching your game, what would be your personal scouting report on yourself? So this could be on the mound and when you're in the dugout interacting with teammates. Um, I like to chirp a lot. You know, a lot of people think I chirp maybe a little too much on my team, but I, I love talking. You know, that's a big part of the game for me. I love talking. It keeps me involved in the game when I'm not pitching. And then on the mound, I do some self-talk. You know, it's not all of it's positive, obviously. You know, walk a guy, you know, get a little mad, but – and then a lot of it's not PG either. You know, I like to say a little stuff to myself, but, you know, um, a lot of self-talk, you know. Um, I'm pretty quick moving down the mound. I get down the mound pretty fast. I get the ball pretty far out in front, too. I got a lot of ride to my stuff. I like to work backwards a lot. Working backwards is a big part of my game, you know. And it's all – I read the hitter pretty well, too, how they step in the box, what their demeanor looks like, you know. Do they look hitterish or do they don't? Where they put their hands, their hands are low. I'm going to bust them up. Their hands are high. They don't really like it low. You know, at least they get low to the ground. They like it up. They like they stand or they stand tall. They like it down. So it's all about reading the hitter, 
their demeanor, the way they stand, you know. I mean, it, a lot goes into it. I play a lot of the, the games inside the games. You know, I like messing with hitters, you know. I might throw five straight breaking balls to a guy, you know. I might go fastball, 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 and I might run on the change. Up. You know, I like messing with guys. It's yeah. one of the things that I enjoy is the game. The game. Yeah. I, mean, with, I, I was never a pitcher. I, I've always, I've always kind of liked watching pitchers who do that, though, kind of just messing with the hitter. I, I've always enjoyed watching that. But um, so as you head to Kentucky's campus in the fall of 2024, what's maybe one or two weaknesses that you'd like to fix the most before you head to the college campus? Definitely my physicality. You look at me and you think, oh, you know, he's like, he's not very big. But I think I think that's another big good thing for people is like, oh, he's not very big, you know, throwing the ball that hard, throwing it that well. So obviously my strength piece, just physical strength is a big thing. Um, I'd like to fix, I'd like to clean up my mechanics a little bit. I know they're pretty good for my body, but I'd like to make them a little bit sharper, a little bit more, you know, put together, make sure I'm getting the most out of my body I can safely. And then I think, I don't know what else. Uh, I think command is another big thing because I know the harder I'll throw, the more, I mean, some things will have less movement, some things will have more. I'll create more spin on the ball. So I want to, I want to maintain, you know, command while I gain velocity and while I gain movement. Yeah. It's another big thing. Yeah. So before we started recording, I did tell you that I'm trying to be an advisor once I do graduate from college. So when I get players on, I kind of like ask them a couple of questions about the advisor they chose and just their whole selection process. So you do have you do have a pretty good relationship with Sam Samarja, but just dig it into how the whole advisor selection process went down for you. When did the advisor start reaching out? Well, it, he made it real easy because he reached out to me on Instagram and said he was going to come see me throw in person. And you know he showed up there and everybody's like telling me like he looks like a pro scout, uh, pro scout or whatever, you know, because he's wearing a rap soda, got a hat, sunglasses on, you know, he's he's looking the scout look, but. You know, after the game, you know, I talked to him a little bit in person. He and he told me that Max Clark, that all refers back to him, I got on the Bulls. He had reached out to Sam and said, you know, this kid, he's a quality kid. You know, he's going to be on the upbringing. And he uh, he referred me to him to look at. And we just built a relationship with him. Uh, I talk to him all the time. He'll send me stuff. I'll send him stuff just on baseball. And we'll just talk. And he's going to be out of area codes, actually. I'm going to be able to talk to him there, too. But. He just, it's another thing is he made the, the process easy. Like the, just like the coaches at Kentucky did, he built, we were building a good relationship and he's actually from the area where I'm from. He's from that Valpo area kind of by me. So that's really cool too. And I mean, he really made it easy though. I mean, he, he made it simple. He made it nice. And we, I mean, he's, he's, he's a very good guy. And he's just, I mean, he did it the right way. A lot of guys reach out through text. You know, they try to sell you like a salesman. Well, it's like, well, I don't want to do that. You know, when he reaches out, he's like, you know, I'm going to come see you throw in person. I'm going to take the time to get to know you. And I mean, I took that to heart because the relationship piece is huge with anything. Yeah. So is Sam, is he still in Valpo? Because I know him and his brother, Jeff, grew up in Valpo, but I know Wasserman yeah. in Chicago. So like, is he in Chicago or is he in Valpo? Um, I, I can't tell you that one. I don't know that one personally, but uh, I know he's around the area still somewhere. He might be a little further south. I'm not too sure, though. Okay. So was there other, So obviously there was other advisors that reached out to you throughout the process. So how were they reaching out and kind of what were some things that they did that made it to where they weren't the guys chosen in the end? 
Um, you know, like they, I mean, the way they reached out, I mean, some of them were through via text, some of them were via email and stuff like that. You know, I mean, you look at their page and saw flashy with a bunch of pro guys on it and it was in their company and it was like, it was just, he, he went about it the wrong way. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying you have to reach out via social media, but like the way they reached out and the way he like the way he did it, it felt more comforting. It felt like, you know, like I can actually talk to him, have a conversation. If it's not for me, I'm not going to have one, you know? So I mean, he just, he made it super simple, super easy. And then the fact that he actually showed up in person and watched me throw and got his own opinion on me was very cool too. Kind of like what Edis says to Scott Wood, because, you know, he's seen a lot of baseball growing up, being a, uh, a brother of a big leaguer and him playing actually the game too for a long time too. So that, I mean, that made it simple for him to, you know, come watch me get his own personal opinion on me. And, you know, he even, he even gives me some things I need to work on, you know, sometimes. So that was very cool too. So since kind of like, I'd say committing to him as your advisor, um, how has your guys' relationship evolved? And then how often are you guys generally talking um, throughout the week or throughout the month? Um, we talk quite frequently, like throughout the week, we'll talk once or twice a week, a little bit, you know, and then once we, you know, once we like kind of like officialize, like, you know, being him, being my agent, because it's, it's, it's almost there. We need to sit down and really, really talk about it and get a plan figured out. But I mean, he's, he's, he, I mean, he's like another one of those guys that can reach out with anything. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he's, he's done such a good job. He's such a quality guy. He comes from a quality family. And he's just, that relationship is so much better. And it, it uh, you know, it's making me feel like this process is going to be easier. You know, this whole draft process, whether it takes me to college or not, you know, he's going to make things easier. And I'm sure, I mean, he's going to have some good ideas for NIL. I saw you help Brayton with NIL a little bit. That was pretty cool. I saw that, but. I'm sure he's going to figure out things that are going to help me. Yeah. So when you, so when you were still going through the process of deciding, so after that initial uh, conversation you had with after him watching your game, like, did he ever show you like a presentation of like what him and Wasserman can do? Or was it kind of just like you had a great vibe with them? You knew that he was educated and you kind of went with them. I mean, he's shown me a little bit of Wasserman. Like, he hasn't shown me, like, all the backgrounds yet because we haven't really sat down and broke everything down yet, which I'm sure we will. But um, we'd had a little bit. You know, he showed me some things about Wasserman, what guys he gets, how like how they get them in the program and stuff like that. But really nothing crazy on, like, how things are going to work, how this is going to work, how that's going to work. We haven't really sat down about that yet, which – I think we're planning on after area code because we're going to have a talk out there. We're going to have a conversation like that. Okay. So I know he's talking to a couple of other of your uh, guys that, you know, I'm not going to mention them just cause I don't want to like say stuff on air that people don't, he doesn't want me out, but do you ever mm-hmm. like, uh, like some, do you ever do something similar to what Max did with you about be like, Oh, Hey, this is a great guy. You should maybe uh, reach out to him or be on the lookout for him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, when guys are starting to get pressed and they're starting to, like, kind of make their way up the ladder, kind of like what I did, and they're starting to get out there and, like, pro guys want to see them, I'd be like, if you're ever looking for more business opportunities or, like, guys to work with, like, I, I reach out and I'll tell them, like, hey, this kid's starting to get a little more pressed. I think you should start on him a little bit earlier before he totally blows up and all the agent stuff happens. Because I couldn't tell you how many. I probably had anywhere from 12 to 15 different advisors reach out to me so like it was it was a crazy weird experience like it wasn't one I, I'd do again because that's why he made it he just made it so easy because it was just it was odd you know between the phone calls text and emails it was just I don't know 
it felt like a it felt like a weird recruiting process almost yeah is what it felt like i mean when you make when you make i mean it was it was it was an easy decision yeah so you said 12 to 15 guys did reach out. So did they all kind of reach out in like a, like in bunches where it was kind of like, Oh, one guy reached out. And then there was a bunch like later on that week, or was it kind of spread out? It was kind of spread. I mean, there was a few rows. Like I got two texts from two different guys in the same day. But like there was, it was kind of weird because it was like certain windows where a guy would like, there'd be one guy that texts me and another guy would text me and another guy. And like, it was, it was a weird, I don't know. It was really weird the way they did it just between the windows they did it and then how they did it. And uh, it was, it was really when the rankings came out, the rankings were like, so once where you were number one, instead of, I think it was, was it Nash that was number one before you were? Yeah. Number one before. And then I became number one. I was like number four via PG and like number 13 via PBR or something like that. But the rankings that came out, and I think it was the national ones that were the big ones instead of the state one. The national, I was like 37th in the nation via PG at the time, which that had dropped a little bit because we didn't touch PG really until the end of the season with uh, the Bulls. And then PBR had me at like 43 or 44, something like that. So looking at those rankings and seeing that I'm one of those guys that has potential to be uh, an MLB guy was uh, huge for them. So they, they wanted to try to get out there and reach out right away and then like, it almost felt like I was almost being like attacked with text and it was weird. So it was, it was an odd experience, you know, the way some guys did it, but I mean, Sam did it the right way. He took his time. He came out, he reached out in person too. So it was real cool. Yeah. So I just got a couple more questions before we end off the podcast. So I usually like to end off the podcast talking about some stuff that's beyond baseball. I mean, I think we've been on the phone now for almost an hour talking nothing about baseball. So we'll move on from that just a little bit. So when you're not playing baseball, so what are some other things that you like to do in the port? Uh, maybe some of your passions that you do. Um, so I like I, I picked up golf this off season a little bit. You know, I have a few of my older friends uh, who are going to college that they played golf quite a bit through high school and stuff like that. So I picked it up a little bit, just goofing off. And now I'm going to end up probably going out this afternoon a little bit playing golf with one of my buddies. So it's one of those things I enjoy doing. You know. He's still got the swing factor in it, but uh, I mean, it's more of a relaxing game when you're okay at it, which I'm not very good at it, but I still enjoy it. Yeah. And then I really enjoy uh, hunting too. Hunting during the off season is real fun. It's real relaxing. You get to go outside of nature. I'm big into that. That's really fun for me. You know, fishing when you're actually catching stuff's pretty fun, you know, and that's pretty relaxing too. And then um, I've been picking up, I've been doing a lot of mini golf with my friends too. My girlfriend, we like to go out mini golfing quite a bit. That's pretty fun, too. Um, just hanging out with my friends, you know, that's a big thing. You know, just the relationships, having close people to talk to about things other than baseball is pretty fun. And being able to go do things with people that isn't baseball is fun and relaxing for me. Because sometimes, you know, getting these all long windows where you're, like, going from March to August, you know, playing baseball constantly and having to stay, you know, locked into baseball and making sure you're being the best version of you all the time, making sure you're keeping up with your work, making sure you're doing that, you know kind of getting a step away from baseball once you do your work for the day, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say, what's the way to put it? I don't know. It's relaxing, but it, it also, it, it just helps me, I think, more mentally more than anything, you know, because I was a multi-sport athlete, but it, it's it's more refreshing than anything, I'd say. It was, it was just one of those things where it was, uh, it, it helps, you know, it helps your mind, it helps you mentally, like, and emotionally more than anything. You know, 
So when you are hunting, I know my hometown, like deer hunting, turkey hunting is really big. So I assume that's kind of the same, but when you are hunting, what are some things that you're looking for? Like, what do you mean? Like deer or whatever? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, we've gone turkey hunting, I think once in my lifetime, you know, we're not big turkey hunters. We do a lot of deer hunting. And then our new dog we just got is a German short-haired pointer. So we're going to get into a little bit of duck and pheasant hunting and get her all all ready to go for that that'll be pretty cool but uh we're big into deer you know we have some property out where i live and we we take deer season real serious our family does you know we'll end up with about three to five between does and bucks we might have one or two bucks in our family but everybody will probably come down with a doe most of the time and you know we use that we use that food even too at christmas time you know family time we use that food even but we're real big out here my family's real big on my dad's side hunting was yeah I mean, that, that deer jerky or the deer meat, I mean, that's that's some damn good stuff. I mean, I know I got some buddies who deer hunt. I don't. I, I mean, I should, being from where I'm from. But my, my buddies, they have all that deer meat they bring around. I mean, that's that's some good stuff. But uh, one last question. before It tastes even better when you kill it. Is, is it? So I'm, am I going to have to go buy a gun and go 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 hunt down a, hunt down a, beer, a deer? I mean, it might be an experience you have to try once in your lifetime. It's, it, it's a good feeling when you eat that meat it's a good reward all right well like it's weird because like when i go down to iu like people see the long hair like i've got an american flag tattoo i'm just a bigger guy people are like you've you've definitely been hunting before and when i tell them they're like they're like amazed i'm like oh well i guess i'll have to try it but uh (laughs) one what one last question before we end it off though um so you talked about an nil with sam you talked about nil that um you have the possibility to do here in two years when you head to kentucky so when you do graduate from high school, whether you go, you get drafted or you head to Kentucky's campus, what would be one dream brand that you would love to work with in an endorsement deal, sponsorship, uh, those type of things? Dream brand. Oh, I don't know. I mean, dream brand. I haven't really thought about a big brand. I think a big thing would be like having my own glove model because I know like Clayton Kershaw has his own glove model and like your Francisco indoors and people like that. You know, those guys, I mean, I think that'd be cool to have my own little model and have people buying that. That or like a shoe, like a certain type of cleat. Because I know Bryce Harper has a cleat and stuff like that. That'd be real cool. That's that's my dream one day to, to ne- negotiate a contract like that with a glove company or a cleat company, stuff like that. But That'd be so cool. But man, that's all the questions I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, I've got you, Braden, Jace, RJ, uh, Next week, I've got Simon, uh, Joe Glander, the tw- guy in the 25 Bulls. Um, I've got a bunch of you Bulls players coming on these next couple of weeks. So uh, it's cool to get to learn all about the organization and get to know all you guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast and another weekend here on the podcast. Four great episodes this weekend with Braden, with Jace, RJ, and Bradley today. Um, So just great content. Really enjoyed getting to know all these guys, getting to know their careers a little bit. So I'm really excited to see where all their careers go. want to wish them the best of luck. Um, This is a great week one of their Indiana Bulls series we're doing. We got two more full weeks of that. Some more guys on that Bulls Black 24 and the Bulls Black 25. Um, So just keep keep tuning in. I've got some great content here. Learning a lot lot about these ball players. I've all got great features ahead of them. So make sure to tune in. Um, But for any more updates on the podcast to see who's coming on next week, check out our website. Check out our social media. That website's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com and that social 
social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. So let's do it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Give us a follow on our social medias. And tune in next week for all those episodes. And I'll catch you guys then.